Hello, and season's greetings once again for our final episode of Dark Corners special Dark Holidays mini-season for 2020. I'm David Allen Boyles, and I'd like to offer something a little different for this episode, something a little lighter. Have you ever considered that out of all the houses Santa Claus visits on Christmas Eve, some of them have to be haunted? Join me, won't you, for this special story of Santa and the Haunted House. The dilapidated Victorian mansion silhouetted in front of the full moon would have made the perfect picture for a Halloween card, had there been brown, red, and yellow leaves covering the ground instead of snow. That, and the fact that a sleigh pulled by eight reindeer had just landed on its roof. I haven't stopped at this house in many a year. Santa secured the reins on the brass cleat on the dashboard of his sleigh. Closing his eyes, he traced an intricate sigil in the air, a fiery shape that glowed for a second before disappearing. The spell ensured that the sleeping inhabitants of the house would stay asleep, allowing him to go about his tasks undisturbed. He then reached into the pocket of his fur-lined coat, pulled out a leather-bound book, and thumbed through the pages. Let's see. Vincent family. Two boys and a girl. Both boys qualify as nice. But for the girl, nice minus. Hmm. He put the book back into his pocket and clapped his hands three times, which filled the empty sack on the back seat of the sleigh with the gifts he would deliver for the Vincents. We're getting close to the end, he called to the reindeer, some of which shuffled their hooves as they waited impatiently for Santa to get on with his business. Only a few more houses and we could call it a night. He grabbed the sack of gifts, laid a finger aside his nose, nodded once, and disappeared, leaving behind only a cloud of fine snowy dust which settled gently onto the roof like particles in a shaken snow globe. In the parlor on the first floor, lit only by the blinking colored lights of the Christmas tree, the jolly old elf suddenly appeared. He took a moment to admire the modest but tasteful decorations of the parlor in which he found himself. The room obviously needed a good coat of paint, and the flexing and creaking of the floorboards as he walked over them suggested that some carpentry work was in order. But the warm glow of Christmas was in abundance nevertheless. Santa nodded with satisfaction at how the stockings had been hung with care on the mantel. He looked at the dying embers in the fireplace and imagined how the family had been enjoying their Christmas Eve in this room just a few hours earlier, and he chuckled to himself. <laughs> and to think some people believe I come down the chimney. What foolish notions these mortals have. Santa's eyes lit up as he noticed a plate of cookies sitting on a small end table despite the fact that this snack would make the 1,492,638,526th cookie of the night. But I'll just take one. No sense being a glutton. Santa sighed at the glass of lukewarm milk sitting beside the cookies. What makes them think that I would like milk that's been sitting out for hours? A tumbler of single malt whiskey, though? That would really warm these old bones. He selected one cookie from the plate, broke it, closed his eyes, and inhaled the scent. 
Ah, dark chocolate with cranberries and a hint of almond, if I'm not mistaken. As he prepared to bite into the confection, one of the other cookies rose from the plate and hovered before his eyes. Suddenly, it flew across the room and smashed against the window. As Santa watched in disbelief, letters began to form in the frost on the glass. G. E. T. Get? asked Santa. O. U. T. Get out? More letters followed. S. A. T. A. N. Get out, Satan, the old wizard said, confusion evident in his voice. As Santa watched, the letters spelling Satan were smudged out by an unseen finger, and then one by one, new letters formed. S-A-N-T-A. Oh, get out, Santa, he said aloud. Now it makes sense. Well, I'll be leaving soon enough, but I do have some work to do first. Santa walked over to where he had dropped his sack containing the gifts for the Vincent family. He withdrew three beautiful, elven-wrapped gifts and placed them under the tree. He then removed a smaller sack filled with fruit and candy for the stockings and stepped toward the fireplace. A bone-chilling moan came out of the darkness beyond the parlor doorway. Santa turned with a jerk to see a headless, skeletal figure slowly pass from left to right in the reception hall that lay beyond the open doors of the parlor. It was wearing 19th century clothing, suitable for a gentleman of wealth, but so ragged and torn that pale bones showed through in places. Holy sleet, Santa whispered under his breath. He set down the bag of candy, snapped his fingers to summon a flashlight, and tiptoed across the parlor to shine a beam of light into the dark reception hall. The hall was deathly quiet. Not a creature stirred. Brown-edged water stains extended down from the mildewed crown molding which marred even more the torn floral wallpaper that curled away from the wall in numerous places. Buckets sat on tarps which covered the wooden floor of the hall. Obviously, this house is a work in progress. The silence was broken by the slow, steady thump of footsteps ascending the stairs to the second floor. Santa stepped out into the hall and over to the foot of the stairs where he shined his light up to the landing above. Nothing was visible, but a mournful voice called softly, Santa. Well, that's interesting. Santa surveyed the steep steps and then placed his right forefinger on the side of his nose again, nodded, and transported to the landing. No sense risking waking up the family with more footsteps, he rationalized. As he looked up the remaining set of steps, his reflection in a full-length mirror hanging on the wall of the landing caught his eye. He frowned as he saw that, standing sideways to it as he was, his reflection would not fit completely within the confines of the mirror. All those cookies tonight won't help either. Santa sucked in his gut, held his breath, turned left, then right, and then viewed himself straight on. 
but I do cut a damn handsome figure, though. He chuckled again and patted his belly, which shook when he laughed like a, well, you know. But as he continued to admire himself in the mirror, his smiling expression of self-satisfaction changed to one of astonished consternation. His reflection gradually faded from view and was replaced with the image of a distinguished bald man with gray mutton-chop sideburns. Thick, bushy eyebrows sat above piercing brown eyes. The figure in the mirror wore the same clothes as the ghostly figure Santa had seen previously, only they now appeared as new and fine as the day they were made. The man in the mirror grinned at Santa, but the grin seemed wrong. It grew wider and wider, eventually becoming a smile so hideous and unnatural that it made Santa wince and wish to turn away. Santa's curiosity outweighed his dismay, however, and the thin face grew even gaunter before his eyes. The skin pulled tighter, and the cheekbones became more prominent. The sideburns and eyebrows disappeared as the man's eyes receded into large, black sockets. His nose collapsed into itself and shriveled into a dark hole as his lips melted away like ice on a hot sidewalk. Santa now looked at a corpse. Merry Christmas, said a raspy voice. The dead man in the mirror laughed heartily and vanished, leaving only Santa's wide-eyed reflection. The sound of rattling chains from above pulled Santa's attention away from the mirror. He climbed the remaining stairs to find himself in the middle of a long hallway, dimly lit at intervals by old-fashioned lights projecting from the walls, looking much as they did when they were fueled by gas jets many years ago. More tarps and buckets lined the hallway. Chains are a bit of a cliché, don't you think, old chap? But the trick in the mirror was first-rate, Santa said to the invisible prankster. What's going on? The old elf whirled to his right to see a nine-year-old girl standing in the darkened doorway of one of the bedrooms. How in the world are you still awake, Santa asked, and then realized the situation. Ah, you haven't been asleep at all, have you, Emma? Santa's sleep spell only kept those people asleep who had already fallen asleep. The little girl's grin answered Santa's question. So you are real after all, she said. You weren't a believer before tonight, he asked. He tried his best to smile like Edmund Gwynn in Miracle on 34th Street, his favorite Christmas movie. Well, let's just say I was an agnostic, she answered. Santa's eyes widened. Ah, just like young Natalie Wood, bright but with an attitude. I didn't know you came upstairs on Christmas Eve, Emma continued with narrowed eyes. I thought you just dropped off the presents and filled the stockings. This is actually a little creepy, you know. Normally that's all I do, Santa explained, but things are a little different here tonight. He paused as he considered whether to share what he had experienced. When Emma raised her eyebrows for him to explain further, he cleared his throat and said, <clears throat> It seems that your house has, um, well, a resident, let's say, who's not on my list. You mean the ghost? Emma asked. You're aware of the spirit? Emma nodded. 
Does this mean we don't get our presents? Santa blinked twice as he studied the girl. I see your priorities are clearly defined, he said. Emma frowned and tilted her head at Santa. Declining to explain, Santa asked instead, You're not afraid of this ghost? No, she answered. He's noisy sometimes, and annoying, but he's not that scary. It was Santa's turn to be puzzled as he remembered the image of the corpse in the mirror. I've seen all the Hellraiser movies, and Stephen King's my favorite writer, she said as she crossed her arms over her chest. I see. And is your family happy with this phantom being in the house? Oh no, Emma said. My father gets so mad that Silas keeps messing up all the repair work he does on the house. Silas? That's the ghost's name. How do you know that? Duh. The Ouija board you brought me last year? I never gave you a Ouija board, Santa said indignantly. I'd never give a child such a thing. Had your name on the card, Emma replied with a sing-song lilt in her voice. I hate it when parents attribute their thoughtless gifts to me, Santa thought. But I do remember delivering presents to a boy named Silas Hamilton at this location a long, long time ago. Ignoring her comment, Santa pressed on to see what more he could learn about the ghost. So, Silas interferes with your father's renovation of this house, you say? Yeah, spilling paint cans, hiding tools for days at a time, making blood run down the walls, things like that. So it might be fair to assume that Silas is unhappy about changes being made to the house, said the old wizard. No shit, Sherlock, Emma said. Language, Santa warned as he frowned at the girl. Taking a deep breath, he continued. I'd like to see if we can resolve this issue with Silas so that your father can get on with the renovations. I can't think of a better Christmas gift for all of you. Wouldn't it be nice to have this beautiful house restored to its former splendor before next Christmas? Oh, please, said Emma with an eye roll that showed years of practice. I'll have my period long before he ever gets this place in shape. Santa's eyebrows shot up and disappeared under his fur-trimmed cap and his cheeks got redder than roses. The sound of chains being dragged across the floor caused both of them to look up at the ceiling. That's him, said Emma. He hangs out in the attic a lot. Deciding it was time to get to the matter at hand, Santa said, Listen, Emma, you've been a big help, but I really need for you to go back to bed and let me handle this business with the ghost. What are you going to do? Emma asked, leaning forward. Use a charged particle beam from a positron collider? Her eyes were open wide and her hands were clenched by her sides. His look told her that he had not understood one bit of what she had asked. She rolled her eyes again and said in a flat tone, Ghostbusters, 1984, the first one. Just leave this to me, Santa answered. When Emma frowned and crossed her arms again, he added, Unless you want me to swap out your present downstairs for a lump of coal. Emma pouted, but she turned around and went back into her room and closed her door. Nice minus, thought Santa as he scratched his chin. A naughty plus would be generous might need to talk with a certain elf about his classification system. As Santa went down the hallway, he opened the door to the next room and found Emma's brothers nestled all snug in their bunk beds. He reasoned from the snoring coming from behind the closed door of the next room that it was most likely the master bedroom, so he refrained from opening it since it felt a bit voyeuristic. 
He went instead straight to the door facing him at the end of the hall and opened it. A narrow stairway led up to what most certainly was the attic. The moon shining in through the gothic windows at either end of the spacious top floor provided a good bit of light, not quite the luster of midday, but enough to see the boxes and antiques covered in old sheets. A circular stairway made of black iron wound its way into a turret in the center of the attic. All portraits hung on the wall, the subject of one Santa recognized as the man he had seen in the mirror. Another pair of paintings depicted a man and a woman whom one might easily assume to be Silas Hamilton's parents, as that man bore a strong resemblance to Silas. As Santa watched, blood oozed forth from the painted forehead of the elder Hamilton to form a stream that trickled down onto the gilded frame at the bottom. Footsteps rang out loudly from the iron steps leading to the turret which drew Santa's attention, but he saw no one climbing them. He followed the sound, winding his way up, and soon stood in a small domed room consisting almost entirely of glass. The turret sat empty, but as Santa looked about the room, images began to take shape. He saw a man and a boy sitting side by side on stools, the young boy looking into a telescope which sat on a tripod atop a wooden table. The man was the same as the person depicted in the bleeding portrait, and the boy, Santa surmised, was young Silas Hamilton. Several books of astronomy lay open on the table beside an oil lantern. As Santa watched, the images blurred and changed as if scenes covering a period of several years were appearing one after the other. The young boy grew taller, and his father's hair grew thinner, but the love they had for one another and the happiness they shared as they searched the heavens together through the brass telescope was unchanging. The happy scenes of the father and son faded and were replaced by a 16-year-old Silas standing at the window staring out into the night sky with tears streaming down his face. Abruptly, the boy turned and lashed out, striking the telescope with a sweeping blow and knocking it off the table so that it smashed into pieces on the floor. He violently upended the table and knocked over the two stools and then ran down the iron steps, his ringing footsteps fading into the darkness. And then the ghostly figure of adult Silas, the one Santa saw originally in the mirror, stood before him. Your father was taken from you without warning, Santa said to the ghost. Yes, Silas said in a voice that was barely above a whisper. He pointed at the spiral staircase. He died from an injury sustained after falling down these very steps. Santa nodded in sympathy. Perhaps now you can see why I frightened those who disturbed me in my own house. Yes, I certainly do, Santa said quietly. I quite understand. He smiled at Silas, who glared back with eyes in which a red light glowed like the embers in the parlor fireplace. You want only to be left alone, to grieve privately without having to endure the pain of witnessing the happiness of others. The ghost stood silently. Jason Vincent, the father of the family living here now, is a man who reminds me of your father. Creative, resourceful, artistic. Someone interested in the sciences. Even in the gloom, Santa could see Silas's eyes narrow. 
It might be some comfort to you to see a father interacting with his children the way your father enjoyed being with you. The ghost spoke not a word, but disappeared in the blink of an eye. Or not, Santa said to the empty room. He descended the spiral staircase and then worked his way silently back to the parlor on the first floor. He picked up the bag of candy he had placed on an end table when he was first interrupted by the manifestation of Silas's ghost and filled all the stockings with pieces of fruit and special confections made by Mrs. Claus. No sugar plums, though. Nobody wants sugar plums anymore. As Santa stood facing the Christmas tree, his mind went back many years as he remembered another Christmas Eve when he had left a telescope under the tree. Taking a deep breath, he pushed back the heavy sleeves of his red coat and drew a series of intricate shapes in the air which left traces of fiery light that glowed for a few seconds before winking out. He then clapped his hands once and a telescope exactly like the one that had been there a hundred years before appeared in front of the tree. Reaching into his deep pockets, he pulled out a book from which he tore a piece of paper and borrowing a pen from the desk against the far wall, he wrote a message. May you enjoy the beauty and magic of the heavens together. Merry Christmas, Santa. He folded the paper over and on the outside wrote, To the Vincent family and Silas Hamilton. He knelt beside the telescope and leaned the note carefully against one of the legs of the tripod. He rose, picked up the empty sack, placed a finger beside his nose and nodded once. A sprinkle of fine snow dusted the carpet where he had been standing. Footsteps heavier than the ones Emma had heard coming from the attic vibrated throughout the house as Santa made his way across the roof to his sleigh. In their dreams, the Vincents might have heard the sound of 32 thundering hooves as they ran and launched themselves from the roof. A lone figure, a shadow against the moon in the glass-domed turret, watched as Santa and his reindeer flew across the night sky. When the sleigh was no longer visible, he turned and looked back to the spot where the table with the telescope had once sat. An image formed for him, just as shadows of the past had appeared for Santa Claus earlier. A boy and his father were both beaming with excitement, as the boy, who was peering into the telescope, said, I can see Ganymede, Papa. I see Jupiter's largest moon. I see it. Silas glided silently down the spiral steps and stood for a moment before the portrait of his father. He then walked over to where the chains lay draped over a crate. He studied them briefly and then hung them on a sturdy nail protruding from the wall. I don't think I'll be needing these anymore. Ho, ho, ho! The laughter startled the ghost, who looked around in vain for the source. And even though the old elf was miles and miles away, Silas heard Santa say as clearly as if he were standing in the attic, Happy Christmas to all! Silas smiled and added in his deep, raspy voice, And to all, a good night. That concludes the third episode in our Dark Holidays mini-season for 2020, and brings us to the close of the mini-season itself. Special thanks to Mombi Yulman for creating and providing the wonderful music for this episode. 
Santa and the Haunted House is in the first collection of horror short stories, The Thirteenth Day of Christmas and Other Tales of Yuletide Horror, which, along with my other books, can be purchased in paperback or ebook formats at gestaltmedia.com. Mombi Yulman's other wonderfully eerie dark ambient soundscapes can be streamed and purchased at mombiyulman.bandcamp.com. Please visit my website, davidallenvoyles.com, for more information about my ongoing projects. I also invite you to join us in the Dark Corners Facebook group for upcoming announcements, background information on the many future projects, and other fun, dark topics shared by the delightfully twisted members. Thanks for listening. Please check back in with us in February for Season 3, 13 episodes based on Mombi Yulman's original musical composition, Wraiths of the Appalachian. Wishing you and yours a very scary Christmas and frightful holidays, I hope to see you again soon in the Dark Corners.